Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Sports Rivals. Ernie, it is NFL start of the season this weekend. Woohoo! What an exciting time. Hope you guys all enjoyed our NFL preview show. If you did not have a chance to listen to that last week, go ahead and listen to that as we lay out who we believe will be the eventual Super Bowl champion at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles in February. But this week, college football, NFL, baseball playoff races, Coming down the stretch, um, today, Ernie, the U.S. Open, right. you have, on the men's side, you have uh, Djokovic going for his 21st Grand Slam title, which would break the record with Nadal and Federer, mm-hmm. and to have a calendar Grand Slam. This is the fourth Grand Slam. He's already won the other three. He has one more to go to win um, the calendar slam, which would be an incredible, yeah. incredible feat. Right, and it tough. really seems at this point in time, you have Federer, who is much older and always injured. Nadal is always injured. And Jokovic seems to be full steam ahead. He could really blow these other two out of the water because mm-hmm. there doesn't seem to be a whole lot out there to stop him. Right. Like they had before and the three of them competed against each other. But today I watched the, the women's side and it was remarkable. Two young teenagers, Radakuna <laughs> from Britain and uh, Leah Fernandez from Canada, two unranked, um, battling for the U.S. Open women's title, and Radakuna from Great Britain. Ernie, she didn't even. She's the 338th ranked player in the in the world. Uh-huh. She had to qualify just to get into the tournament, so she had to play 10 matches over three weeks. Never lost a set. And today wins $2.5 million, which is eight times her career earnings up until this point, and is the U.S. Open Women's Champ. It was a phenomenal (laughs) thing to see. It was two, it looked like a high school match. It was two teenage girls playing, playing at it. A lot of energy, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, poise. Mm -hmm. And it was nice to see. So it was, uh, it was pretty interesting to see how women's have changed. No Serena, no, none of the other ones. And the thing is, on the women's side, and Radakuna said this in the interview after, any woman at any tournament can feel like they can win. Because that's been happening all Grand Slams. Mm-hmm. It's been unseated versus unseated in the finals for almost every single one of the women's events. It's a complete chaos on the women's side, which is good, though. It yeah. Makes it exciting. Yeah, makes it, uh, makes it well, like, like she said, makes it like it's anybody's game, any given week. Any given, any given weekend, anyone can win in a $2.5 million prize. <laughs> you only got to win once, <laughs> and you're pretty much set. Now, in college football, full weekend again this weekend, I just want to highlight the two biggest games, or what probably were the biggest games. You had Oregon at Ohio State. Right. Ohio State was a double-digit, 14-point favorite there. And then you had Iowa State against Iowa, the Battle of Iowa. Iowa State at home, number nine ranked, a lot of expectation, four-point favorites. Both of those games ended in upsets. Yeah, yeah. I was shocked that Oregon went into Ohio State without their two best defensive players, including the person that many predict will be the number one pick in the draft, 
and beats Ohio State at the horseshoe 35-28. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, incredible. And if, and if you told me that Straub would throw for 484 yards, I would have said this is, a, this is Ohio State's game in a runaway. Yeah, but a lot of those were like what you referred to as, you know, empty yardage, right. just, just trying to come back at the very end of the game. Big, big win for Oregon. Huge win for the Pac-12. Last week, the Pac-12 took a beating. Almost every single big game that they were playing, the Pac-12 team lost. Um, big win for Oregon at Ohio State. It, it, it is. And you would expect the Big Ten team to be used to, you know, they normally, they have that, the line. You know, they're known for having the big people in the trenches. And today, they just couldn't stop Oregon's, Oregon's run. Yeah. I mean, they, ra they racked up almost 270 yards on the ground, and that's basically how they won the game. Yeah, which is, like you said, I mean, that was shocking. I mean, because normally, they're very stout on the offensive line and the defensive line. Right. They were able to produce offense. They were their own worst enemy. They kept going for it on fourth down mm -hmm. in the whole first half, and they kept not getting it. Um, big win for Oregon. And actually, for somebody who doesn't care for Ohio State, great win for Oregon. I'm real happy that the that Oregon Ducks got that victory. And then Iowa, Iowa State. Ernie, Iowa looked really good. And the game wasn't even as close as the score. No. Iowa just romped them. Yeah. I mean, when when I mean, I I feel bad for Iowa State. This has been a a long time in the coming where they're actually in the top ten, and for them to have four turnovers in this game. I mean, you told me that a a team going against uh, another top ten team is gonna have four turnovers. Four turnovers, and I, I don't believe that Iowa had a turnover themselves. So you're talking about a minus four in a turnover, on a turnover stat. You're most likely gonna lose that game. Yeah, you really are. And then Iowa's come out of this season just playing really, really well. They had a great win in week one. Follow that up with a win at Iowa State. Mm -hmm. um, who knows? I mean, Penn State beat Wisconsin in Wisconsin. Ohio State loses at home um, to Oregon. Maybe I was the cream of the crop there in the in the Big Twelve this year. Could be in the Big Ten. Could be. Could be. Okay, but what we're all excited about is the start of the NFL season. Yes. And before we get into Sunday's games, that Thursday game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys was a much better game than I expected. Classic Brady. The Cowboys looked much better than I thought. I mm -hmm. mean, they gave Tampa Bay all they could handle. Dak threw for over 400 yards. Mm -hmm. um, their offensive line did a really good job of controlling the Tampa Bay rush. The only concern I have is that if Dak Prescott has to throw 58 times a game like he did against Tampa Bay... He's not going to last the you're, season. You're, I mean, he's really not going to last the season. He already has a sore arm. Yeah. Uh, and you're just taking a chance there. Zeke Elliott looked like he was quicker, but he hardly touched the ball. I mean, he was there almost as a decoy. And mm -hmm. I, I get that Tampa Bay, you know, has a very stout rush defense, but they didn't even try. And they still almost pulled it off if it weren't for the GOAT. Mm -hmm. Another comeback victory at the end to win it on a last second field goal. And that's what it is. I mean, you're you're putting the ball in his hands at the ending of the game. I mean, how many times? I mean, he, he just takes Brady is that he might not be the most physically gifted quarterback, you know, and and, and as far as his mental prowess is concerned on the quarterback position, it has dipped as has been on the decline. But the man has done it so many times over so many seasons. He thrives on this. You're, you're, you're like pumping the fountain of youth on him when you give it to him. 
on the last drive to win a game. It's yeah, just, you have just, over a minute left, yeah, yeah. and all he needs is a field goal. That's almost too easy. It's In serious. fact, it was. He had to throw the ball out of bounds three times just to try yeah. and bring the clock down a little bit there towards the end of the game. I can almost tell you, I, I can almost bet if, if Vegas had a line on top of this on who they thought when Brady got the ball, who would have won the game? It would be overwhelming. Tough. You know, Ernie, they actually did. During the game, they showed when Dallas was driving for the go-ahead field goal, and they were already in field goal range, the, the Buccaneers were still the favorite to win the game, even under those circumstances. They were, their betting line, they were giving 120 on, on the money line, being that with a minute left, without the ball, Dallas in field goal range, they were still expected to win, and they did. <laughs> and they did. But you know what? They didn't even play that well. They had 11 penalties for well over 100 yards. They turned the ball over four times, set up Dallas in the first half with turnovers. Godwin fumbles the ball, going into what would have been the decisive touchdown that puts the game out of reach. They still found a way to win. You know, this is one that Dallas let slip away because mm-hmm. um, Tampa Bay played not their best, and still found the way to win. Right, right. And that's a sign of a good team. That's a sign. That's truly a sign of a good team. So let's see with Tampa Bay. I mean, I've heard, I've heard analysts say 17 and 0. Uh, no way. That, that's no not, way. Not in a COVID environment. Yeah. And if they're anywhere near 17 and 0, they're going to be resting players. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no way they're going to go 17 and 0. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, we won't even waste our time thinking about exact, that. Exactly. If you listen to last week's podcast, I mean, I, I pretty much told you my feelings in regards to, to Tampa Bay and uh, their, my, my prediction on how they're, they're... They're a good team. You know, they, they've got horses. It's just that they're, they're aged. Yeah. You know, so well, we'll, we'll see. But it was a great start for the NFL. The NFL could not have asked for a better kickoff to their season. The game must have done a monster rating. Because the Cowboys always draw, Brady yeah. always draws, right. game went down to the wire. Great start to the season, but let's get to the big games on Sunday. Let's start with your Steelers. Steelers at Buffalo. Tough opening game for your Steelers. Mm-hmm. Steelers are getting six and a half points. Um, How sorry. do you see that game playing out? I, I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I'm insulted. <laughs> Six and a half points. Yeah, I thought that was too low. I thought they would be at least double-digit favorites. <laughs> Guys, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not a bet. I'm not a betting person, but that's that's to me that's that's easy money. Here's why. That is all predicated on the offensive line. Okay, they're a young offensive line. I'm telling you this during the preseason game and during the coaching talk, they cannot pass protect. Okay, so don't look for Ben to throw. If he throws more than 30 times, Steelers will lose. They may even uh, lose by double digits, okay? But they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. These guys are road raiders. As a running football line, they are above average. And their defense is much improved. That defense will always keep them in the game, okay? Six and a half... Six and a half tells me the Steelers, they're looking for the Steelers to only score like 14 points, which I, which I just don't see. Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of the prognosticators feel the same way you do. They think six and a half is a little bit too much to, uh, to lay here if you're the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think this is one of the top two to three games on the weekend. It's just going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting to see how the Steelers' new offense uh, plays out. Mm-hmm. Does Najee Harris 
immediately become the running back we believe he's going to be. Right. How does that line hold up um, against the Buffalo front? And will the Steelers be able to control all the wide receivers especially? Um, the weakness for the Steelers is their secondary mm -hmm. to some extent. Um, can they get enough pressure on Josh Allen to make it tough? Can they contain him so he doesn't run? Um, I actually expect the game to be more like a 27-20, 27-21 game. So I think, um, I think the spread is within reason considering they're on the road. Um, but I think the Steelers could probably pull one off here. But if, but if you expect Buffalo to, to go, this is one they got to win. They can't lose at home. Uh, in week one. Yeah, I mean, if if if, if you're gonna lose one, this is the time. This is the time to lose it. I mean, it, it's it's that extra game of the season, so you know, no no panic button early in the season. It's, even if one team ends up getting blown out for for not even this game, for any any game uh, this 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 particular week. I mean, it's it's. I mean, they're coming off one of the weirdest years last year, mm -hmm. you know, and then. And, and uh, some some people haven't played for two years. Yeah. But at least the Steelers got T.J. Watt signed this week. That yeah. four-year, one hundred and twelve million dollar extension. I, I was squeezing, but they they got it done. And I love his reaction. He went right into Art Rooney's office and uh, signed the paperwork and left and said, "I have to get back to work." Yeah, with much to the chagrin of his agent, who was trying to get more money. <laughs> exactly. He just was like, "Let's just get this done already." So I mean, that that's going to be an exciting game, um, and I, I'm excited for you, Ernie, to to get started with with the game at Buffalo, Packers at New Orleans. Now, this game because of Hurricane Ida is being played in Jacksonville, so New Orleans doesn't even have uh, any kind of a home field advantage. Aaron Rodgers against Jameis Winston. What do you expect in this game? I think it's the Packers, and I think it's the Packers fairly easy. I'm 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 gonna have to be I'm gonna be with you right now. I think there's too much on Jameis Winston's mind. I mean, uh, I'm going back to his play, really his playing days back when he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He couldn't handle the pressure. I mean, now the focus is more so on him, and, and I just he has to show me first that he's cured all of the. Uh, the devil's in his mind uh, from years past in order for me to, you know, trust him in this environment. This seems to be like a potential, uh, you know, quarterback controversy coming into week two or three, you know, with, Pey with Peyton Hillis, you know. So Winston, if he's a smart guy, don't, don't try to uh, be a hero. If you can make it competitive, make it competitive. But you can really jeopardize your job if you try to be the hero in this game. And it might backfire on him. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm curious to see how he responds. I mean, I think the uh, the Smith brothers, uh, the Packer pass rushers, are slightly banged up to start the season. So James has time. He can throw the ball. Um, if he tries to throw it down the field constantly, then then he may get in trouble. Um, I expect Aaron Rodgers to come out and have a big game. You know, try to make a point, try to let everybody know that no matter what happened in the offseason, he's still right. the man, he's still the MVP. Right. Uh, so if I were a betting person, I would lay the three points and take the Packers there. Now, what I believe is the biggest game uh, of the weekend is Cleveland at Kansas City. Kansas City laying five and a half. Um, some people think Kansas City is going to romp them. Others think the Browns are going to make it a very, very competitive game. 
What do you think? I think they're not going to make it a competitive game. I think the Cleveland Browns are the Cleveland Browns are the Cleveland Browns. Sorry, Brownies fans, but, you know, uh, last year's playoffs, I think a lot of people are remembering last year's playoffs when actually Pittsburgh gave them that game. And if you saw that uh, Kansas City game, uh, when they played Kansas City in the playoffs, I mean, when Kansas City decided, okay, let's play, they, it, wasn't, it wasn't a matchup. I mean, they were, they, you knew Kansas City was the dominant team. And I don't think that, I mean, yes, you, yes, you add Clowney, yes, you add little bit pieces here, but it's still the Browns. And I think the biggest formula in this whole thing is chemistry. They just don't have chemistry. This, two years ago, uh, when they fell flat on their face, that was their best paper team. It's not this year. Last year, they were still supposed to have a good paper team. You know, yes, they squeezed into the playoffs, you know, but nothing has changed in my mind until I see it. To make that. To, yeah. See, I, I do think that this is the best Browns team in 20 years. I think they are just loaded everywhere. Um, the best offensive line, the best running back tandem. If Odell Beckham comes back anywhere near normal, you have him, Landry. You have multiple tight ends with Hooper and Njoku. Um, their defensive line, you have Miles Garrett, one of the best, if mm -hmm. not the best, down linemen. Mm -hmm. um, I think the key to this game, and, and we should be able to figure this out pretty quickly, as in the Super Bowl, has Kansas City's line gelled quick enough? Can Orlando Brown handle Miles Garrett, or is Miles Garrett going to act like Shaq Barrett mm -hmm. in, in the Super Bowl? Because if Mahomes has time, he's going to pick them apart. Right. And I expect Mahomes to have a monster game. Right. I do think it's going to be relatively close. Again, the spread I don't have a real concern with. I think it'll be something like 35-28, 35-31, somewhere around there. But I think Kansas City will win this game and start the season. I think if there's some team that's going to go 17-0, it would be more Kansas City to me than Tampa Bay. Yeah, I agree with that. But I don't think either is going to come close. Me, me, me neither. <laughs> and, 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 and in my opinion, uh, you ram, r rattled off all those names. Those names were there two years ago. I mean, and, and, and look what that produced. One win in the playoffs. One playoff appearance. Uh, it, it's show me. This is, this is Cleveland's time to show me. So See, that's coming from a Steeler fan. That has very little objectivity. <laughs> um, the next game that I wanted to highlight, the battle of the last two Alabama quarterbacks. The Miami Dolphins head to Foxborough to take on Matt Jones. And the New England Patriots, the Patriots are giving three points at this time. Mm -hmm. How do you see that shaping up? Can Tua do it for the Dolphins? Or is Belichick going to destroy another young quarterback? No, I, I, think, I think Tua's going to play decent. We all know Belichick. Belichick will, will, will have his defense ready for, for Tua's style. Uh, but I really think Tua has been slighted with all the trade talks uh, during the offseason. Uh, particularly him being going to uh, Houston in a trade for Deshaun Watson, and then to see his uh, understudy in Mac Jones, uh, you know, now taking the starting quarterback job in uh, forcing Cam Newton out of New England, that that's taking limelight over him. I think he's this is a, a chip on my shoulder type of game for Tua. You know, I, I think he's going to play well. I think 
that last year without any off-season preparation. Uh, and we got to remember, he didn't play the a big part of the season prior because of his hip injury. Yeah, that was so, a catastrophic injury. Yeah, so I really think this is, I mean, that takes a while, folks, you know. So for him to do that, come in, play decent, you know, in a COVID environment, I, he's, he is coming out of Alabama, the best quarterback coming out of Alabama ever. Not Mac Jones, not Jalen Hurts, and sorry, not Joe Namath. It's Tua Tango by law. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm hopeful because I'm a big Tua fan. I'm hopeful that he is going to do well. I don't have high hopes for this week. I mean, Belichick just has a way. I think the only way Miami wins is if Miami can do to Mac Jones as much damage as what I expect New England to give Tua a hard time. You have Wolf Fuller, who's still out on suspension, somebody who will stretch the offense. Um, I think it's actually going to be a pretty low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a battle of defenses, something like 20 to 13, 20 to 14. Uh, I'm hopeful that the Dolphins can pull one off uh, and start the start it this way. Well, you know what? You know, you mentioned the the rumors again about the Deshaun Watson situation. I can't imagine that was recent because Deshaun Watson is just not going to play this year. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty safe. Um, that he's not going to play in any game. So I believe that was probably originally done way back when, before all these accusations came up. But it resurfaced again. Um, my question is, if the Dolphins are not sold on Tua and really are looking for somewhere else, and we talked about this off the air, Tua was not elected a captain of the team, which is very, very unusual that the quarterback of the team is not one of the captains. So does mm-hmm. that mean that the players don't have confidence in him? But my question is, Miami was sitting there at the top of the draft. If you didn't have confidence in Tua, you could have drafted Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, or any one of these other players. But instead, you traded down to allow the 49ers to get up into that third spot where the Dolphins were supposed to be picking. Mm -hmm. And then you traded back up to get Jalen Waddle, which I thought was to uh, help Tua grow. If you're not sold on him, you should have taken a quarterback in the draft. Um, and not waited and put this kind of a pressure on him. Because now he's going into the season with all of this pressure, all of this criticism. I hope he comes out and lights up the Patriots. I do think he's going to show well this year. I think he is a talented, competitive kid. Uh, and as long as he can stay healthy, I think he'll do well. Yeah, I, I, I believe I believe the kid. I mean, if uh, and he didn't have a spectacular year last year. And I, I think that all goes back into his lack of you know, lack of availability and, uh, you know, his time away from the game due to, to, due to the injuries. I mean, the NFL is at a different speed now having familiarity. I mean, the Miami, I, hats off to Miami. When they, when they had that two seasons ago, when they were tanking for Tua, you know, and they had, I, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be a five-year rebuild. Folks, they almost... Made the they, playoffs yeah, last year. Exactly. Yeah, and they, I mean, they have a solid team around yes. Their defense yes. is solid. Um, they've got wide receivers now. I, I, I think, yeah, I think they are solid. And uh, tanking for Tua. And you know what's also hurting Tua is that the guy that drafted one pick after him last year, Justin Herbert, went crazy. Yeah. And had an un- probably, probably the greatest rookie season ever for a quarterback, at least statistically mm-hmm. and quarterback ranking-wise. Um, and that doesn't make Tua have any less pressure when the guy one behind you true. lit it up. True, true. But I think he's going to do well. So let's go Seahawks and Colts. 
Carson Wentz is available, is going to play. Uh, the Seahawks, I think, are giving three here. Do you think the Seahawks steal one in Indy, or will Indy come out and start the Carson Wentz era with a win? I have very, I mean, I'm going to go with the, the tried and tested product over here, which is uh, Russell Wilson and the, the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, Wentz, again, has uh, that's the biggest X factor over him, uh, for him. Uh, going to the uh, going to the Colts if he can gel with with basically that offensive line and that receiver group you know with and, and the running backs etc. in producing uh, a high octane offense uh, we know their defense is good mm -hmm. okay so we we know that that formula but they're gonna need both because uh, even though the Seahawks defense hasn't been the legion of doom as of late their offense has picked it up. Yeah, they have, and, and I agree. I think in this situation, I, I, I'm a believer in the Colts, but I'm not a believer in the Colts in week one. I think Seattle goes on there, steals one um, by a touchdown, maybe even yeah. more. And my feelings are that there's been so many injuries in that camp, and just a weird camp. People with COVID, mm -hmm. Carson Wentz missed most of camp with the foot, Quinton Nelson missed most of camp uh, with the foot. Um, I don't even know if they've had enough time to really gel to be able to effectively play one of the best teams in the NFL in the Seattle Seahawks. So I think Seattle will go in there. I think if Indy stays healthy as the games go on, they're going to get stronger. I think they're going to try and steal a win by pounding Jonathan Taylor, the running back, 30 mm -hmm. times, trying to control the clock, trying to you know get first downs and try to keep the ball away from Russell Wilson. Because you're right, the Seahawks defense is not stout like the days of the Legion of Doom. But they do have people at every level. They have Dunlap to rush the passer. Uh, Wagner is a perennial all-pro. Mm -hmm. And then Jamal Adams is now the highest paid safety in the game. Um, I think the Seahawks pull one out. Although I'm cheering for the Colts as a Rams fan. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of my Rams... Bears at Rams, Sunday night football. The Rams are giving seven and a half to eight points. All signs point to my Rams being able to win this game relatively easily. Right. Um, it seems like there'll be fans there, although every game in LA, even when there were fans, it's 50% Rams, 50% opponent. So I'm sure there'll be just as many Bears fans there as there are Rams fans. Um, I just don't like Andy Dalton's chances against Aaron Donald and that defense. I mean... They have offensive linemen that are injured. They have defensive backs that are injured. Mm -hmm. um, I think this sets up nicely for my Rams to get out and win by 10 to 14 points. Yeah, I, 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 I'm looking for a double-digit win on top of this also. I, I mean, the, the Bears' defense is, is good. They still have Mac, uh, and he's producing at a high level. I think that the Rams cure their offensive woes from last year with their changing quarterback. I'm sure hopeful. I mean, I am really excited to see how this Ram offense does. I, I'm, I am nervously excited. You know how when you have these high expectations, but you've seen what's happened the last couple of years. And my fear is at the end of tomorrow night's game, I'm going to be like, oh, I wish we still had Jared Goff. <laughs> if I'm saying that, oh my goodness, Ernie's prediction for the Super Bowl is out the window in week one. Well, but I don't think so. I think Stafford is going to do really, really well. I think the Rams are going to come out and put 28 to 35 points up on the Bears. Yeah, and, I, and if I'm looking at this game, I'm actually watching. I'm actually watching the earlier game, San Francisco versus Detroit, and see how see how Goff does in that game. If Goff lights it up, I have less hope for your Rams because <laughs> my my feeling is that Goff doesn't do well, 
And the Stafford inclusion in the Rams offense is actually going to spark, spark for them. That's what I'm feeling. But again, I'm going back to that earlier game, San Francisco versus Detroit. If Goff has a terrific game, that's a bad sign, folks. Yeah, I, mean, I actually hope he has a good game because, again, how he beats the 49ers, uh, I just don't expect that. I mean, I think at this point in time, I just think the 49ers are going to put pressure on him, and we know what, how he reacts to pressure. Um, so I don't expect that to, to go very well for, for the Lions, although I hope they pull off a shocker. No, I, I, I doubt it. I, I, I think Detroit is looking for the number one pick. Yeah, That's what I think. Well, I, they're going to be battling the Texans for that. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Now, if you guys did listen to our preview show last week, one of the divisions, Ernie's division uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, we were both, well, I was really high on the Baltimore Ravens, but Ernie, I had never seen a team get this decimated with injuries before the season yeah. started, all losing all of their running backs. Now they've signed this week Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell and Latavius Murray after he got cut last minute for refusing to take a pay cut with the New Orleans Saints. Mm -hmm. um, they had four new running backs that they signed this week. And to go into the season for a running team to lose all your running backs, mm -hmm. if Baltimore can somehow find a way to get into the playoffs, I'd be shocked. It'd be a, I mean, Lamar Jackson's going to have to be out of this world or their defense is going to have to be out of this world or it doesn't look good for Baltimore this season. Yeah, exa exactly. And I think all the defensive coordinators are going to be licking their chops when they uh, go into when they uh, see ball see the Baltimore Ravens on their schedule. They're gonna they're they're just gonna try to shut down Lamar because it's gonna be at least in the first month of this season it's gonna be running back by committee. I I can't see them sticking with one running back. No, right and and they're all dated you know i mean murray is probably the best of the bunch i believe he's going to be the bell car uh carrier for them eventually but it's going to be it's going to be tough for them it, and to have all of this happen before the season started uh although ernie has a smirk on his face i think he's enjoying it because it is the ravens oh, yeah. that's, that's um, so that <laughs> definitely changes my expectation for the ravens i now believe that for me I know Ernie has the Steelers in the Super Bowl. For me, I actually had them third in their own division. I now have them in the second spot, and I'm going to drop the Ravens down to three. You got Cleveland that. there. I still have Cleveland <laughs> winning the division. Uh, I, still, I, I still believe in those Browns. Um, okay, let's shift gears. You know, let's shift gears to the Major League Baseball playoffs. Okay. We're now less than three weeks away. We've got less than 20 games to go. And the playoff races are still in doubt. Now, my Dodgers had finally caught the, uh, the Giants last weekend. We went into San Francisco um, with an opportunity to, to take the lead. We lost two out of three there. Then we went to St. Louis. We won the first two. Then we lost the last two. Meanwhile, the Giants are now on a six-game winning streak, and my mm -hmm. Dodgers are back down two and a half games. So with less than 20 to play... Can the Dodgers make up that two-and-a-half game lead on the Giants? It doesn't look good for my Dodgers at this point in time. I mean, as well as they're playing, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. The Giants are incredible. Gabe Kapler is easily the manager of the yeah. year. Yeah. They are 43 games above 500 mm -hmm. with a team that 
if you had to trade any of the Dodger players for their players before the season started, <laughs> you wouldn't take any of the Giant players. Position to position, you would take all Dodgers, and yet the Dodgers are chasing two and a half games. It's in- remarkable the season the Giants are having. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I know you're a Dodgers fan, but uh, you know what? I like it. I really, I, I, I like what San Francisco has done. I mean, the Dodgers really made uh, waves, especially dur- uh, during the trade part. I mean, to to get the, uh, you know... Scherzer and Scherzer, Turner. Exactly. And if it wasn't for that trade, we'd be like seven, eight games back. But <laughs> Scherzer's dominated since he's gotten to L.A. Yeah, but, but the biggest thing is my Cardinals are actually above 500 for the first time in a long time. And they're only three and a half games out of the wild card. And I think that's that's what's going to come down to. I mean, the Dodgers are definitely in the playoffs. They're so far ahead. Even if they don't catch the Giants, they're going to be a wild card. The battles for the wild cards in both the American League and the National League will start in the National League. San Diego and Cincinnati are dead even, you know, for that second wild card spot. Uh, the Cardinals and the Phillies are, and the Mets are all within three games of the top. So it's not like it's impossible for them to get in. Your Cardinals could still sneak in. My biggest fear as a Dodger fan is that the Dodgers are going to play the Padres in a wild card game. And it's gonna, they're going to have to beat Blake Snell, who they cannot hit. And they're going to be one and done in the playoffs. That is my biggest fear. Yeah, that's scary because at one point in the season, I I thought San Diego had a shot to actually take that division. But, you know, the trades being, you know, with Scherzer going to LA, we thought that they were actually going to go to San Diego. And what if that happened? If we play out the what if game? I mean, right now they're sitting 17 and a half games back. But what if? Yeah, and, and, and but they have so much talent that all they have to do is get in. And if they get in, they're going to be a problem. So they will. So for now, I am the biggest Cincinnati Red fan <laughs> or anyone but the Padres. And I don't want to see the Padres. I still believe the Dodgers have a better chance beating the Giants than they do the Padres um, in, in the playoffs. So in the American League, the Yankees went on a run. I mean, they were unbelievable for about a month. Mm-hmm. And then over the last two weeks have gone ice Cold. Yeah. Um, getting swept last weekend, four games at home by the Toronto Blue Jays. Now you've got the Boston Red Sox in the number one slot. The Yankees are in the number two slot, but only by a half a game over the Toronto Blue Jays with the A's, the Mariners, uh, all right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think it's going to be Red Sox and Yankees, or can one of the other lesser-known teams knock one of those two out? Well, you know me with the big boys. I really, I'm, I'm going for Toronto, and they've been on a hot streak. Yeah, they really have. They're pounding the ball. Yeah, they've been, they've been playing very well. If we just, I mean, with the Yankees uh, going the opposite way, I really anticipate if, you know when the, that this trend will continue, and I, I look for Toronto at least in the next coming weeks take over that third position in the, the AL East. Yeah, I mean, right now, right now, if, if the season were to end right now, it would be Boston would be the number one wild card. Toronto and the Yankees would have to play a play-in game for that second wild card. Because Toronto, as of right now, has caught the Yankees. And then Seattle and Oakland are two games back. So it's still anybody's ball game in the American League in terms of the wild card. So, ah, oh, the Giants. <laughs> Oh my goodness, the Giants. You know what? One of the things that's been really frustrating about the Dodgers is that it seems as if Dave Roberts has been playing for the playoffs. And I think it came to a head this week when he put out a lineup the other day where our five, six, seven, and eight hitters 
one was hitting 160, one was hitting 170, one was hitting 190, and the high one was hitting 219. That's the lineup we put there. And as expected, they went 0 for 14, and the Dodgers lost 2 to 1. Mm -hmm. It is remarkable how loyal he has been to people like Cody Bellinger. The former MVP has been a nightmare, uh, especially recently. He's, he's hitting 070 over the last month and a half. Jeez. His batting average is now down to 157 on the season. He's not even touching the ball. Against, well, I shouldn't say that. He's so aggressive. He's so lost right now. The other night, he made four outs on five pitches. <laughs> Swinging at the first pitch every single time. I mean, he's a mess. And to me, it's actually cruel that he's continuing to play because everyone is on him. The fans are on him. To me, you take him out, sit him for a week or so, let somebody else get in there, maybe right. clear his mind. Um, but to throw him out there and have him do this game after game after game. And he played tonight, 0 for 3, Ernie. <laughs> 0 for 3 again. So I think the Dodgers have to take these last 20 games seriously. They have to get into playoff mode. They have to play their best people every single game for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. Because if they don't catch the Giants, I swear it could be one and done if they have to play the Padres. Wow, wow. And that would be a massive disappointment. Yeah, that would that would be. I'm 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 more high on on the Dodgers if that matchup were to take place. That the Dodgers would prevail. I mean, they still got to go through the Giants, in my opinion. I think I don't think this is a fluke. You do this for. I mean, if this was like the like the NFL 17 games, then yeah. that's a different story. Yeah. But we're talking about 162, 162 games. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, if and, and I think that's what it is. It's like, you know, the Giants aren't going to go away. If they were going to go away, they would have gone away already. Right. I mean, we're 142 games in. Um, they are what they are. Right. The scary team, I think, is the Milwaukee Brewers. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Their pitching staff, today, they threw another no-hitter, a combined no-hitter, the ninth no-hitter of the season in Major League Baseball. Their top three pitchers are lights out. They could easily beat the Giants, the Dodgers, the Padres, or anyone else in baseball with those three guys in that bullpen. That's true. Um, if, if, if they get any kind of offensive production. Yeah, so okay. it, yeah. It's going to be an exciting thing down the stretch. At the beginning of the year, never in my wildest dreams would I think the Dodgers would be two and a half games behind the Giants <laughs> with 20 games to play. Maybe the Padres, because the Padres I expected a lot of, right. but not the Giants. I mean, it's been crazy. Right, right. let's not discount uh, Tampa Bay. The Devil Rays have been playing amazing ball. They are remarkable. I mean, as much as, you know... I am lauding over the Giants' success. What Tampa Bay is able to do year after year with a bunch of relatively unknown players, and then if they get too good, they get rid of them. Exactly. You know, like Blake Snell, who's now with the Padres. It's just unbelievable that they're still almost 40 games above 500 yes. and running away from the American League. Yeah, and, this, and, and for them, this is not... I mean, it's an anomaly, but it's not an anomaly because this has been done before. I mean, they've done this in years past where they've gone in with a bunch of no-namers, dismantled the team after they made, after they win the World Series, and they, they start again. This, this is terrific front office work. You know, everybody looks at the players. This, this tells you that management makes a difference. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they are a well-run organization. You know what the biggest pity is, though, is that 
their fans just don't support yeah, them. I mean, as good as they are to be playing for like 10,000 fans, mm-hmm. it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, they'd rather watch they, Tom they, Brady. Yeah, they should probably <laughs> look to move to another city. Okay, so we've addressed a whole bunch of stuff so far. And we talked about the U.S. Open to start off the show, college football, a couple of major upsets in the top 10. Right. We spent a lot of time on football, talking about what our predictions are, analyzing the first game. Um, Major League Baseball going down the stretch. I love this time of year. I mean, you have football starting, baseball ending. Um, the only thing better would be the Lakers starting as well, which is only a month away. Yeah, training comes It starts. was only a month away. So in my closing thought today, I'm going to take two of the most revered coaches, one in the NFL and okay. one in college, All right. and we're going to compare and share who I believe, and I want to get your opinion on this, okay. is the greatest coach or the most dominant coach over the last 20 years. So let me rattle off some statistics. I'm talking about on the college side, Nick Saban, now with Alabama, mm-hmm. and in the professional ranks, of course, Bill Belichick from the New England Patriots. So let's listen to these stats. Nick Saban is 257, 65, and one as a college coach, including 170 and 23 with Alabama over the last 14 years. He has seven total national championships. He won one with LSU before trying to, the Miami Dolphins for a year or so, mm-hmm. and then coming back to Alabama where he's now won six of the last 14 national championships. That's Saban. Bill Belichick is 311 and 148 in, in the NFL, including 31 and 12 in the playoffs with six world titles. To me, the greatest NFL coach of all time, and to me, considering the differences in college now from the days of Nuke Rockney mm-hmm. and um, Bear Bryant, where it, there's so much more to college football now than there was before, the greatest college coach of all time is Nick Saban. And believe it or not, my feelings, if you had asked me this question last year, I would have said Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. But now... I think I'm changing. I think with Bill Belichick, I think I'm going to go with Nick Saban, and here's why. I think Belichick has been dominant. But I think the fact that Brady left and won a championship with another team leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. I I think Belichick helped make Brady, and I also think Brady helped make Belichick. You know, I think early on, Belichick carried Brady, and maybe later on, Brady was carrying a little bit more of the weight um, than Bill was. Now, I don't penalize New England for last year. So many of their players opted out. It was a lost season. I'm really curious to see if they bounce back this year. I expect they will, but they are playing a rookie quarterback. So yeah, I think you have to temper your expectations. Exactly. Even Tom Brady was on the bench his rookie year. Exactly. So to expect Mac Jones to be Tom Brady now is probably unrealistic. I think if the Patriots can win 10 games... 11 at the absolute most, that would be an incredible season under the circumstances. So Nick Saban, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, Alabama's just a dominant name, so that's why he wins, but he won somewhere else first. He went to LSU from Michigan State, so he won at Michigan State, not a national championship, but he won there. Then he goes to LSU, wins a title within a couple of years, tries his foot in in the NFL and is like, nah. And comes back to Alabama where he has created the most dominant 
college program in the country. Every year they've got the number one recruiting class. Right. And what I think is so amazing about Nick Saban is every year he loses all his assistant coaches. Mm -hmm. So every year he's starting from scratch. Even Clemson, I love Davo Sweeney, but they've locked up their coaches and they don't leave. The same offensive and defensive coordinators have been there with him for many, many years. Saban takes somebody who's fired somewhere else, brings in Sarkeesian, lets him do well. Sarkeesian's now the Texas coach. Brings in Lane Kiffin, lets him do well. Now he's the Ole Miss coach. Mm -hmm. uh, his disciples are now the coach at Tennessee, at Maryland, and all over the country. Now he's got Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator, trying to resuscitate him from his days at, with the Houston Texans. Um, and yet they win, and they win, and they win. And when he first came in, Nick Saban was a defensive-minded coach. Alabama used to win their first championship 16-10, 16-0, that right. boring one. I think it was like 10-0 or 16-0. Now they're averaging 50 points a game. They have three NFL quarterbacks under the age of 24 years old in Jalen, Tua, and Mac Jones. They have, in the last three years, how many number one drafted wide receivers? Right. Um, you know, there are four just in the last two years. He has completely remade himself into an offensive juggernaut type of a coach. And to me, that's a sign of a great coach. That's what I admired about Belichick in the beginning, mm -hmm. that he would look at what your strengths and weaknesses are. And one week he'd throw the ball 50 times, and the next week he'd throw it 10 times and run it 50 times. He would always um, figure out what it is that you can't do and exploit it. And that's what Saban is doing at the college level. So... That's kind of where I stand right now. It's very close. Last year, I would have said Belichick. Now I'm leaning Saban. What, give me your thoughts on which of the two you would take. Uh, Saban is the greatest college coach of all time. Uh, Belichick is the greatest NFL coach of all time. If I were to choose who is the best... I mean, it's two different... Two yeah, diff it two, is. It it's, is. It's, it's two, two different. It's I mean, two one, different animals. Yeah, one has recruiting, one doesn't. I mean, uh, I mean, your Saban is basically like your general manager, so mm -hmm. he's basically wearing two hats. Uh, when you have the number one recruiting class every year, that's like having like a top ten pick every year in the NFL with the success that the. New England Patriots have had in 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 the last twenty years. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're all speaking exactly. Out. How yeah. many? I mean, to get into the teens is an anomaly for them. They're always in the twenties. So when you're saying that uh, they they come out with all these number one quarterbacks, number one running backs, or number one wide receivers, uh, and New England does this with basically Tom Brady, mm -hmm. and we all know that uh, football is. Not, not a one-man sport. I mean, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, they can take over a game. I mean, so can a quarterback. I mean, that's the position that Brady has. But I believe, uh, you know, uh, it takes two because someone has to catch that ball. And somebody has to block. We it, saw that it, in the Super Bowl. It, 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 exactly. So with, with all that being said, if, if, if and, and I, I've just, and granted, I, we haven't seen Belichick in a college game. I've seen... You know, I've seen Saban in the NFL game, and he did, he did not uh, do well with the Miami Dolphins. Well, he went 9-7, and seven and he was like, I just don't like it, and, and the Alabama job opened. I, I actually think he's good enough that he probably would have excelled, but he just was like, nah, I don't like this. Mm. You know, I, I, I don't like this professionals. I'd yeah. rather deal with kids. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm, I'm, 
it's it's hard because again it's it's two different two di- things. It's yeah. two different things. I'm I'm because I haven't seen Belichick in the the college ranks. college ranks yeah. and and I I I, I, I still have out. to I still have to say Belichick. Okay. I mean, I mean that's fair. I mean, you really cannot go wrong. Now, when you, when you talk about the recruiting aspect of it, though, I think in college that is one of your key job description points. I mean, being a great recruiter sets you up for your success. So I right. think that does go towards the coaching. So if you're talking about who's the better tactician, tactically um, smarter coach, yes. I would say Belichick. Yes. But I think building an organization of success. I think that's where I think Saban, because recruiting is part of the process. And in Belichick's case, he has been the general manager as well for the last decade plus. Right. So but, if but, he's not bringing in the talent, right. that's his own fault, which but, is probably but, too much to bite off at the yeah, NFL level. But, but the big difference in that is one is open. You, you could have in the top 100, 100 players in the nation, uh, undoubtedly, I maybe... Ten of those are going to Alabama. You can't say for that same for the college guys coming into the NFL. Well, no, that's that's definitely true. I yeah. mean, but again, even even with that, I mean, like you, everybody knows, I'm a big Miami Hurricanes fan. Um, these players aren't going to Miami. They're, in fact, they're coming from Miami yeah. and going to Tuscaloosa, and and even that is crazy because these kids are coming from a big city and they're going into Hickville, uh, in in the state of Alabama, um, because of Nick Saban and the program that they've built. So, right. but you're right. It is two different animals. I think tactically, I think Belichick is still a genius, unmatched, um, and it's really neat to see how close those two are. Yeah, they are constantly talking to each other. And it it would be nice to see. It would be nice to see if Belichick had his hand in the college game, how well he would have done. Because uh, I mean, everything you say about Saban is correct. Uh, I just put more. More credence in the fact that you're getting picks outside of the top 20 and winning consistently over a 20-year period. Yeah, yeah, but it's going to be key to see, can he win without Brady? Like, if they fall off a cliff over the next two to three years and they're rubbish and they're not what we expect them to right. be, then I'm going to have a little bit more questions on that. I don't expect that that's going to happen. But if we had this uh, this conversation, say, 10, 15, 20 years from now, it's going to be who is the better all-time coach, is Sean McVay or Nick Saban, because the Rams are going to win six of the next 15 <laughs> titles in the NFL. If you, said that after, if you said that after Sean McVay's second season, I would say, but you know what? They're still only 34, 35 years old. Media Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. We encourage you to participate. Let us know what you think. Tell us who you think uh, you, is going to win. Tell us who you think are your favorite teams or any comments that you want to have. Especially if you're a Dodger fan. Tell me what you think about the job Dave Roberts has done this year with that team. Anyway, gang, until next week, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.